Praise the Lord. So good to see you guys. What a beautiful day. Every day is a good day to praise the Lord, isn't it? Amen. All right, we do have a few announcements. Um, as Pastor mentioned, the holidays are quickly approaching. Thanksgiving's actually next week. And um, so on next Wednesday, the 22nd, we will not have service here just so that you can have an opportunity to, I mean, if you're going out of town, to prepare to go out of town, if you have family coming in, whatever, just so you can have an opportunity to prepare for Thanksgiving. Also, a reminder of the Tupelo Children's Mansion gift cards, uh, that final offering will be December 3rd. And December 9th, we will be having a Christmas party. It will be at the Demuse, and that will be at 2 o'clock. So uh, you, we will be having a, a sign-up sheet being passed around. Um, the Demuse will be providing the meat, and then we will bring everything else. Hallelujah. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Nor pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Its glittering towers, the sun outshine. I feel like traveling on. That heavenly mansion shall be mine. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Let others seek a home below. I feel like traveling on. Which flames devour or waves or flow. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like traveling on. Blessed home I see. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. 
The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like traveling on until that blessed home I see. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me. And that's one thing I know, my Savior pardoned me, and now I onward go. He'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Have a loving mother up in glory land. I don't expect to stop until I shake her hand. She's waiting now for me in heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting to three. 
Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am so thankful for that hope that we have. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Once a sinner far from Jesus, I was perishing with cold. But the blessed Savior heard me when I cried. Then he threw his robe around me, and he led me to his fold. Now I'm living on that hallelujah side. Glory be to Jesus, let the hallelujahs roll. Help me ring my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. And I'm living on the hallelujah side. Though the world may sweep around me with her dazzle and her dreams, yet I envy not her vanities and pride. For my soul looks up to heaven where the golden sunlight gleams. And I'm living on the hallelujah side. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Let the hallelujahs roll. Help me ring my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. And I'm living on that hallelujah side. Not for all earth's golden millions would I leave this precious place. Though the tempter to persuade me oft has tried. For I'm safe in God's pavilion, happy in His love and grace. And I'm living on the hallelujah side. Oh, glory be to Jesus, let the hallelujahs roll. Help me ring my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. 
And I'm living on that hallelujah side. Here the sun is always shining. Here the sky is always bright. Tis no place for gloomy Christians to abide. And my soul is filled with music and my heart with great delight. And I'm living on that hallelujah side. Oh, glory be to Jesus, let the hallelujahs roll. Help me ring my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. And I'm living on the hallelujah side. And upon the streets of glory when we reach the other shore. And have safely crossed the Jordan's rolling tide. You will find me shouting glory just outside the mansion door. And I'm living on that hallelujah side. Oh, glory be to Jesus, let the hallelujahs roll. Help me ring my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. And I'm living on that hallelujah side. Oh, glory be to Jesus, let the hallelujahs roll. Help me ring my Savior's praises far and wide. For I've opened up toward heaven all the windows of my soul. And I'm living on that hallelujah side. Praise God. That's the hope we have, church. One day we're going to live forever with Him, the one who hung on a cross and died for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, the Most High God. I worship You. I worship the King of Kings. I give glory and honor unto the Lord of Lords in this place today. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship You. We worship You, the Most High God. You are worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my praise. You're worthy of my full attention in this place today. You're worthy of anything and everything that I can give. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whatever you ask, whatever you ask of me, I will give. Because you gave everything to me. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for your so great salvation. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome God we serve. What a hope we have in Him. Amen. Getting back to understanding who Jesus is. If we do, we'll have no problem worshiping Him. We'll have no problem praising Him. If we understand who He is. Amen. Because people don't understand, for one reason or another. They have difficulties. I want to know Him. The power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His sufferings. Being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated.
In starting our Veterans Day service, where we honor our veterans, it's different from Memorial Day, uh, where we honor our fallen veterans, fallen heroes. <clears throat> Today we're going to honor those still with us. Amen. If you have served in the United States Armed Forces, and you're able to, please come to the front. <laughs> Brother DeMuth and Bishop Parker also served. They're not with us today. Amen. These are our veterans, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Praise God. to salute with a mic in my hand <laughs> because I respect and I reverence and I honor your commitment and your dedication to service in this country. Amen. God bless you guys. <laughs> Amen. We're going to talk uh, a little bit, I'm sure you could talk a lot, about the cultural differences between civilian and military life. The military is a culture all its own, and uh, it's portrayed various degrees of accuracy in movies and television shows, etc. But unless you've actually been a part of that, it can be difficult sometimes to understand uh, some of where the veteran is coming from. And uh, yeah, we'll get into that. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, a familiar passage to most of us. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to his son Timothy. And he says this, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. In the secular, not everyone chooses the military life. Not everyone chooses to enlist in the armed forces. In fact, most don't. Uh, but in the spiritual, every single one of us has chosen this life, the life of a soldier, the life of a military man or woman. Amen. Veterans Day, a federal holiday that falls on November 11th, which it's not today, 
is designated as the day of honor to all those who served or are serving in the United States military. It was first observed on November 11, 1919 as Armistice Day in honor of the first anniversary of the end of World War I, which officially ended on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month in 1918. In 1926, Congress called for an annual observance of the anniversary, and by 1938, it was an official federal holiday. A few decades later, in 1954, President Dwight D. Eisenhower officially changed the name from Armistice Day to Veterans Day. In 1968, the Uniform Holiday Act moved Veterans Day from November 11th to the, quote, fourth Monday in October, unquote, so workers would be able to enjoy a long weekend. However, in 1975, President Gerald Ford returned Veterans Day back to its original November 11th calendar slot to honor the global historical significance of the day. Now, as I stated earlier, uh, there is a stark difference sometimes, uh, a lot of differences between the military life and the civilian life. And you can imagine some of them, uh, maybe not. But again, uh, if you haven't served... <coughs> It can be difficult to understand uh, why your veteran friend, instead of saying okay, would say roger that. Or instead of on the radio or the phone, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. No, they would say, I got you Lima Charlie. Or I got you five by five. And no one who served in the armed forces will ever ever say over and out. <laughs> Only in the movies will they do that. That's right. <clears throat> so there's a, uh, a course that's put out by an organization called Psych Armor. In any case, their purpose is educating anyone who works with, lives with, or cares for military veterans who hasn't been uh, in the military themselves. So they asked thousands of veterans what they wanted, civilians, employers, educators, healthcare providers, therapists, uh, loved ones, anyone in, in their lives. What would they want them, what one thing would they want those people to know about them? The military is its own unique culture, so to better understand your veteran, it's helpful to understand the culture they were shaped in. In the military... Uh, we had certain beliefs, certain practices, rituals, traditions that were practiced while we were in. They hold fast to certain ideals. So in this course, they listed four questions you should always ask a veteran, one question you should never ask, and 15 things veterans wanted you to know. The first question to ask is always this. Did you serve in the military? If you suspect that they did, ask them. Did you serve in the military? In the military, we have our own history, our own language. Uh, everyone remembers with fondness all the acronyms we had to know. Asking this question is important to the veteran, and it starts the conversation. It acknowledges that, yes, I did serve in the, in the military. Most people that have served will take pride in, the, in the, uh, that sacrifice. And sometimes... Veterans can feel like those who haven't served can't or don't understand some of the things that they went through, some of the things that uh, shaped them as, as an individual now. 
One active duty Marine said this, quote, We are not like you. The veteran and his family are tough. Not that civilians aren't tough, but... But have the biggest hearts and have gone through huge sacrifices in a broad spectrum of emotions many times. I don't think that's unique to military life, but... It is true that the sacrifices that a military family is called to make are at times extreme. They can be very hard and very difficult. So knowing this, ask the question. If the answer is yes, well, then let's continue. Fifteen things veterans want you to know. One, we're not all soldiers. There are five branches in the armed service that have different missions and even different subcultures. But they're all part of the larger group of military veterans. Just referring to someone as a soldier, if, if we brought Brother Shepard up here and called him a soldier, he probably would not like that for good reason. He was in the Navy. Yeah, he was in the Navy. <clears throat> Brother McGinnis was in the Air Force. Amen. So not everybody who served in the military are soldiers. That is a generalization that media makes, that movies make, that simply isn't true. And to just ask someone, were you a soldier? What was it like being a soldier? Uh, that shows a lack of understanding. You don't need to know specifics of each branch, but simply an understanding that they're not all the same thing. Knowing this, the second question you should ask is, which branch did you serve in? Now, all of these points are going to be leading us somewhere, so... Hold on. Which branch did you serve in? This will earn you instant credibility with that veteran, especially if they weren't in the Army and were not a soldier. Amen. The second thing they want you to know is that reserves are part of the military. Two ways to serve, active duty and reserves. Now, when I was in uh, the Army, I was active duty, and I kind of took pride in the fact because... Uh, the drill sergeants kind of made a big deal about that versus reserves and National Guard. They would refer to us as real army instead of regular army. It was RA. But uh, <clears throat> I've also been in the Air Force Reserves. And so uh, in some ways, a reservist in their family has a harder time than active duty will. <clears throat> in other ways, it's reversed. Uh, the third thing that people want you to know, veterans want you to know, is not everyone in the military is infantry. There are hundreds of different jobs available in the armed forces. Hundreds. Basically, if there is a civilian job, there's probably a military counterpart somewhere in there. Somewhere in the five branches. People know in the civilian world that everyone works at different jobs. But for whatever reason, everyone thinks that if you're in the armed forces, you're always infantry. Now, it is true that it's always the secondary. Uh, that always reverts to infantry when everything hits the fan. But uh, primarily, not everyone is infantry. Understanding this, the third important question to ask is, what did you do during your time in service? What was your job in the military? The next point is we have leaders at every level in the chain of command. Starting in basic training, we become responsible for those that work for and work with us. There is a sense of real leadership that's engendered in us, and this extends all the way up and all the way down. 
We have a heightened sense of responsibility for others and are accountable to others. Amen. This is instilled in us from basic training all the way through. That we are responsible for the person to our left and to our right. We are responsible for ourselves. We are responsible to know what the mission is and to accomplish it. Uh, those things are engendered in, in, in the military man or woman. And understanding that, uh, well, we'll talk about where that leads in, in another point, but in any case. Another thing is we are always on duty, at least when they're on active duty or a reservist. In the military, there are no days off, even if you're on leave. You're always subject to a recall, a deployment, etc., when I was in the 82nd Airborne, we had something called DRF status, Defense Readiness Factor. And when we were on DRF-1, that means that anywhere we were, I had one hour between the time I got a phone call to the time I had to be in formation with my gear ready to go. And so when we were on DRF-1, we really didn't do a whole lot. We kind of hung out in the barracks. I did one time, and I got caught. I got caught on a test recall, and I got a summarized Article 15 for my trouble. Good time. The good thing, though, is half the platoon got caught, so I wasn't in any means by myself. In any case, not a good thing. <clears throat> We're always subject to deployment. Another point they want to make is we take pride in our appearance and in our conduct. They take appearance, conduct, and physical fitness seriously. Why? Because they're, they want to always make sure that they're trained and ready to accomplish the mission. The military places a high priority on physical fitness. And there's a reason for that. Because military, by and large, is a physical job. Especially if you're in combat arms. It's a physical job, and so you need to maintain physical fitness to be ready. More than that, you need to make sure that you're trained. Trained or untrained? Which one are you? Something that I heard. Always make sure that we're trained and ready to accomplish the mission. We're held to a higher standard than our civilian counterparts via the Uniform Code of Military Justice, UCMJ. That's where they gave me my Article 15 from. Bless their heart. Our conduct matters at all times. We're subject to that UCMJ. Some people might think that military personnel are rigid. We would prefer to think of ourselves as disciplined. That we hold ourselves to a high standard. <clears throat> the next point they want to uh, let people know is we did not all kill someone and those who have do not want to talk about it. And this seems kind of weird to throw in, but you would be surprised at how many people just blurt this out. People are curious. I get it, but it's inappropriate. What was it like? Did you kill someone? What did it feel like? Dude, shut your yapper. Yeah, close the pie hole. This is not a question that anybody should ever be asked. So don't. Next point is we do not all have PTSD. Even in those who have seen combat, 
most that have, they go on, uh, even if they experience initial symptoms of PTSD, PTSD, they go on to experience full recoveries. The next point carries in from this. Those of us who do have an invisible wound are not dangerous and we're not violent. There are outliers, of course. It's not 0%, but it's extremely rare, statistically speaking. Very isolated cases, but those are the exceptions. The vast majority are nonviolent. So don't worry. Don't worry about it. The next point veterans want civilians to know is it's really hard for us to ask for help. The reason for this primarily isn't because we're proud. It's not because we're stuck up or arrogant. The military culture is based in service, sacrifice, helping, even rescuing others. It's others-based. We're trained from the ground up. People are broken down in basic training and rebuilt in their image. That's the process. That's what they do. And service and sacrifice, that's built in. Mission first. People always. Historically, military culture has not valued self-care or help-seeking behaviors. Our cadences, we'd make fun of people going sick call, AWOL. <coughs> We're used to putting others in the mission before ourselves. It's expected that we're going to accomplish the mission even at personal cost. It's just expected. That's what you signed up for. So because of these cultural biases, it's extremely difficult for many veterans to reach out and get help for themselves. Some might even see it as a sign of weakness. And even if they're able to, it's going to take a great deal of trust before they're going to allow themselves to be vulnerable in front of you. Because again, in the military mind, Vulnerability is weakness. So if you know someone like that, be patient with them. Just get to know them, build a relationship with them. They'll open up. But just be patient. The next point they want to know, people to know is our military service changes us. That change is permanent, and that's okay. Like I said earlier, it's a culture with its own traditions, rituals, language, standards, expectations, stigmas. Wonderful moments, horrible moments, everything in between. And those situations will change you. It's unreasonable to think someone can go through all this and remain unchanged. <coughs> Next point is, we differ in how much we identify with the military after we leave active duty. There are some people that I know... They define themselves by which branch they were in. They define themselves by what they did in, in the military. And that's, that's cool. Others, that was something that we did in the past, and <clears throat> I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing something else now. Various levels in between. So just understand that everyone's different. Everyone identifies with those things differently. And that's okay. The fourth question you can ask someone is, how has your military service shaped you? How does it factor into how you define yourself now? What things from your military past uh, have you brought into the present? 
The next point that they want us to know is our families serve with us. Our families are subject to frequent separation from from their loved ones. If you're active duty, you can move from place to place as frequently as every two to three years. It's difficult to establish schools for the children or jobs for the spouses. And when service members come back from deployment, it's hard for them to reintegrate into the family unit. We can speak from experience on this one. When I was in the reserves, I was stationed in Illinois for nine months-ish. Specifics don't matter. About nine months. They were in North Carolina. They come visit a few days every other month or so. In any case, I got used to that, and so did they. When that deployment ended and I moved back home, it was weird. It was really weird. I was used to just getting in the truck and going. She's packing bags and getting people in car seats. And What's taking so long? Oh, that's right. We have kids. <laughs> it was weird. She had a routine down, and I was in the way. It took a while for us to reintegrate. The next point people... Uh, who served in the military would want us to know is that we would die for each other. And we would die for our country. We would, and we do. It doesn't matter what the mission is. It doesn't matter who's in charge of the country in the moment. The only thing that matters to the military man or woman is the person to their left and the person to their right. That's who you're fighting for. That's who you're fighting with your comrades in arms, your brothers and sisters. And they become brothers. They become sisters. That's the people that we serve with, and we would die for them. Ours is a culture of sacrifice. We wouldn't change it for anything. Next point, the last point, is that we've all made this sacrifice for one reason. To serve something greater and more important than ourselves. This is a choice every one of us has made, at least in modern decades. We've chosen a life of honor, commitment, duty. We've chosen a life of service. Amen. Those are 15 points that veterans would want us to know about themselves. In our scripture text, we read that we're all soldiers in God's army. Can we see any of these veterans' traits in our spiritual walk with God? I hope we see a lot of similarities. One, we all have different jobs, but we're part of the same army. We have different callings. We have different responsibilities, different giftings. But we're all part of the same army. In God's army, though, there are no reservists. We are, all of us, active duty soldiers. We're always on call. We're always subject to deployment. When the King of Kings says, go, we are supposed to go. When the King of Kings says, hold here, we're supposed to hold here. We are responsible for and accountable to each other. 
We are to esteem other better than ourselves. Ephesians 5.21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. We are accountable to and responsible for one another. That should be ingrained in us from day one. We're always on duty. We serve at the Lord's pleasure. We're done when He says we're done. We get to retire when He says it's time to retire. Until then, we fight. Until then, we continue to live a life of sacrifice, of duty, of commitment to the Lord our God. As a Christian, we're held to a higher standard. Our UCMJ manual is the Bible. When we go to work, and they know we're a Christian, we're expected to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Fairly or unfairly, it doesn't really matter. That's what's expected of us. And they're going to be looking. They're going to be watching. What you're preaching, do you practice it too? We're held to a higher standard. Our standard is Jesus Christ. Our UCMJ is the Bible. And we want to be fit and prepared for deployment at all times. We want to be trained. We want to be trained in use of the Scripture. We want to have Scripture memorized. We want to understand what it says. We want to be apt to teach. We want to be comfortable praying with someone. We want to be comfortable counseling someone out of Scripture, out of the Word of God. Ministering to people's needs. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell people. It's not because you can't. It's because you're untrained. You have the ability. You just need training. More on that as we approach 2024. We want to be fit and prepared for deployment at all times. We want to be spiritually, physically... Spiritually, physically fit. You know what I mean. (laughs) I hope. We want to be able to endure hardness as a good soldier. Amen. Spiritual difficulties, spiritual hardness. We want to be able to endure tests and trials and temptations effectually. We want to be able to endure them successfully. Amen. When it's time to commit... When it's time to, uh, as some people would say, put on our big boy pants, our big boy skirts, and go out and fight, that's what we got to do. Folks, we're all growing up, so we're pretty close in this room. We understand life, some better than others, but we all have a pretty good grasp of what life is. Life isn't sitting on a couch playing video games all day long. Life isn't sitting and watching movies all day long. Maybe it'd be cool if you could do that. I don't see that, but uh, some people would probably like that. But how am I going to pay for the video games? How am I going to pay for the Internet? How am I going to pay for the house, the heat, the food? i got to go to work. I got to get a job. I got to start a business. I need something. I got to get some income. And that means I can't stay on the couch. I got to get up and do something. That's life. Sometimes we got to do things we don't want to do. 
How many love going to work every day? Just love it. Get up 15 minutes early because I can't wait. I just got to go. I got to get there. I've had one job like that. Not the present one. It's a good job, but I don't love it. (laughs) I had one job like that. Air Force Command Post. That was a good job. I loved that job. But in any case, uh, by and large, I go to work out of a sense of duty, a sense of commitment. I told them I'd be there. I gave them my word. I'm taking a paycheck from you guys. I owe you. So I go to work. I do my best. You guys do the same. Those of you that aren't retired. Those of you that are retired, you put your time in. Kudos to you guys. Amen. Seriously. But spiritually, there are times when we just have to, God, I said I'd be there. God, I said I was going to do this. And commit. Not that I want to. Not that I feel like it. But I got to do it. Because I told you I would. My commitment is this. I committed this to you. I have a sense of duty. I have a sense of responsibility to the King of Kings. So I've got to accomplish it. Amen. In this war, we sometimes get hit. We get wounded. Amen. And we know what that means. We succumb to temptation. We sin. We fail. We fail God. We fall. What's our response to that? If it's me that God hit, I need to get back up. I need to repent. I need to allow God to heal that and move on. There's a fight to win. I can't stay there on the ground. I can't sit there wallowing in self-pity. Self-pity is selfish, folks. It's selfish. If you're prone to self-pity, grow up, please. Get over it. Move on. Repent. Get back up. Continue to move forward. If it's somebody else, if it's your brother or sister alongside of you that got hit, you put two in the chest and move on. Right? No. No, we don't kill off our wounded, do we? We minister to them. Pull them aside. We minister. We heal. We get them back on their feet. We get them back in the fight. That's what we do. That's what Jesus does for us. That's what we do for others. We don't kill them off. We minister to them. Maybe God will use us somehow to heal them. To work through whatever it is that that got them. When you're focused on meeting the needs of others, it can be difficult to address your needs. Now, I'm not so naive as to believe that everyone within the sound of my voice has this difficulty. But when you're focused on meeting the needs of others, it can be difficult to address your own needs. For those of you that do, to you I say, you need to take time for yourselves. You need to take time for your families. You need to look after you as well. 
if you're prone to this. Stressing yourself so thin that you don't have time for yourself. You're wearing yourself thin. Burning the candle at both ends. That's not healthy. That's not good. Even Jesus took time aside to pray and to rest. Balance. Balance is good. I'm not saying don't dedicate yourself to the fight. Don't dedicate yourself. That's our culture. That's our Christian culture of service, commitment, dedication to something greater than ourselves. We all understand that. But, at the same time, even the most, uh, even the most combat active soldier, even the most combat active unit will be cycled to the rear from time to time. Why is that? Because they're going to get burned out. You can't, you can't survive in a, that kind of a high-stress environment for months and months and months and expect everything is just going to keep working fine. You can't do it. You've got to cycle back. Get some R&R. Rest and recuperate. And then go back and fight strong. Typically, those that need this advice will ignore it. And those that don't will cling to it. If it fits. And if not. When we enlist in God's army, we are entirely transformed. And that transformation is meant to be permanent. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We are different people than we used to be. Entirely. From the ground up, entirely different. My nature is entirely different. My brain is entirely different. My mind, I think differently. My worldview is different. I'm entirely different from who I used to be before I came to the Lord. And so are you. If you've experienced New Testament salvation, so are you. The transformation is permanent, and that's a good thing. We serve together with our families. That means two things. Our family units, our husbands, our wives, our children, parents, and our church family. We serve together. We bleed together. We work together. We fight together. We sacrifice together. We do it together. We must be willing to die for one another and for the mission. John 15:13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, i got to be honest with you folks. As time goes on, I can't imagine that people are joining the military for love of country. Quite frankly, I don't think there's a lot left in our country to love. I still think it's the greatest nation on planet Earth. I'd rather be here than any other place in the world. Absolutely. But as time goes on, there's less and less of it to love. I can't imagine that the majority of people joining the military, of which there are less and less and less people, do so for duty or commitment or sense of honor or love of country. But... In the church family, in the, in the kingdom of God. That is exactly why we fight. Love of king, 
Love of kingdom. Love for you. That's why we fight. Love for them who can't fight for themselves. Who are still in bondage to sin. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. This is literal as well as figurative. There are people the world over laying down their lives literally for the gospel of Jesus Christ. All through history, there have been people that have laid down their lives and that willingly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no idea what I would do in that circumstance. I've never, I've never faced death for my belief in Jesus Christ. But when that day comes, I pray, I pray, I pray that I would be able to do the same thing that those martyrs that have gone before have done. Proclaimed Jesus Christ unto death. Remain faithful to you and to Him unto death. I am called to sacrifice my own needs for the needs of others. That's our Christian culture, folks. It's a culture of ministry. I'm not here to get my needs met. Jesus Himself said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm not here to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give my life a ransom for many. If we are to follow after His example, we are to do the exact same thing. Jesus will minister to my needs. When I'm with you, my desire is to minister to your needs. Amen. Does that mean that I won't have needs from time to time? Of course not. I'm a human being. We all have needs, legitimate needs, from time to time. But my focus is always going to be trying to meet your needs. My focus is always going to be ministering to Jesus Christ through worship and praise, giving of thanks for everything that He's done. That will remain my focus. I am called to sacrifice my own needs for the needs of others. Notwithstanding what I said earlier, I need to make sure that I'm good to go too. Today we celebrate our veterans and with an eye toward the future are called to emulate their bravery, their selfless sacrifice, their sense of duty, their devotion to a higher calling. As high a calling it is to serve in our nation's military, we have before us a much higher calling, that of service to the King of Kings. Our mission is one of everlasting weight. The souls of men and women literally hang in the balance. If we have enlisted, let's answer the call. Let's commit ourselves afresh to the call of God. Will we choose a life of service, of sacrifice, of commitment, of duty so that others may live? I pray the answer is yes. Are we able to set aside our own personal freedoms, our own dreams and desires, so that others can experience complete freedom themselves? I pray the answer is yes this morning. In conclusion, I want to read a, a speech that was given by Ronald Reagan entitled, We Must Fight, in 1964. This speech was given in reference to Soviet Russia and the Cold War. There will be references to that, but as I read through this speech, think about it in spiritual terms. 
Reagan says this. Let's set the record straight. There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there is only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement. And this is the specter our well-meaning liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement. And it gives no choice between peace and war, only between fight or surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, then eventually we have to face the final demand, the ultimatum. And what then? When Nikita Khrushchev has told his people, he knows what our answer will be. He's told them that we are retreating under the pressure of the Cold War, and someday when the time comes to deliver the final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary because by that time we will have weakened from within spiritually, morally, and economically. He believes this because from our side he has heard voices pleading for peace at any price, or better red than dead, or as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard around the world. The martyrs of history were not fools, and our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. Winston Churchill said that the destiny of man is not measured by material computation. When great forces are on the move in the world, we learn we are spirits, not animals. And he said, there is something going on in time and space and beyond time and space, which, whether we like it or not, spells duty. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Today, ladies and gentlemen, veterans and civilians alike, we are being called to a renewed sense of purpose, called to a renewed sense of destiny, called to a renewed sense of duty and responsibility to God and to our fellow man. What will your answer be? Let's all stand. The church, by the way, is the last best hope of man. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this world's last best hope. Will we commit ourselves to offering it? Will we commit ourselves to preaching it, living it, demonstrating it to this world? Pray where you will. This altar is open. Pray up here. Pray in the pew. But I want us, all of us, to answer the question this morning. What's your answer? Will you answer the call? Will you commit yourself? Will you rededicate yourself, if necessary, to this purpose? Let's all pray.
Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, for those veterans that we have present here. They have once answered a call, a greater call, a greater commitment. Maybe we knew exactly what it meant at the time. Maybe we didn't have a clue. But we fulfilled our responsibility. We fulfilled our commitment. We understand what it means to commit to something higher than ourselves. We understand what it means to dedicate ourselves to a purpose that's beyond us. I pray in Jesus' name that each person here today within the sound of my voice would begin to comprehend fully, completely, what it means to dedicate ourselves to the cause of Christ, what it means to purpose in our hearts to advance the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name that as one body we would enter into your presence, as one body we would bind together and dedicate ourselves anew to the gospel of Jesus Christ, dedicate ourselves afresh to the kingdom of God and to your service. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is no greater calling. There is no higher calling than being a son or a daughter of the Most High God, than being a minister of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, to which we are all called. Hallelujah, Jesus. I pray, O God, that we would feel the weight of that responsibility when we dedicate ourselves to it. We're not always going to feel like it. We're not always going, it's not always going to be easy or convenient for us to accomplish these things. But I pray, O oh God, that our sense of purpose, our sense of commitment and dedication, our sense of duty would override our personal feelings in the moment. In Jesus' name, that we would continue to discipline ourselves and press forward in You. To press forward in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. As those that have went before, as those saints of God that have went before, I pray in Jesus' name that we would emulate their sacrifice, that we would emulate their example, that we would not just preach about them, that we wouldn't just talk about them in books or in sermons, but that we would live like they lived, that we would emulate their lives in ours. Hallelujah, Jesus! That we'd stop building statues and monuments unto these people and start, start living our lives according to them. Hallelujah, Jesus. We'd stop preaching good sermons and start living them. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I pray in Jesus' name that You'd fill us with purpose, that You'd fill us with passion and zeal and fervency for the things of God and for the work of God. That we'd be filled with fervency and passion for the the brother and sister to my right and the brother and sister to my left, that I would fight for them, that I would submit myself unto them. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I worship You. I worship You. I worship You. Help us today, I pray, as we search our hearts. Help us today, Lord Jesus. As we seek Your face. Not everyone will be excited about this. Not everyone will be instantly pumped about doing these things. 
And I pray, oh God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that our sense of duty, our sense of our sense of responsibility for what you've done in our lives, that sense of responsibility for there's no way we can repay you back, but we've got to do something. We've got to be obedient to the Word of God. Help us, I pray, according to our gifts and callings and talents that you've given us to advance the kingdom of God. Help us according to the calling that you have called us unto, the ministry, the office that you've called us unto. Help us in that office to advance your kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. You've done everything for us. You've given everything for us. Help us, oh God. Help me to stop being so selfish with my time, to stop being so selfish with my energies. Dedicate them more afresh to the to the work of God. To the work of God. To discipline my time. To discipline my emotions. To discipline my energies. To advance your kingdom as much as possible. Taking time, yes. Taking time to make sure... To make sure that I'm healed. To make sure that I'm fit for service. I must be fit for service. Help me, Lord Jesus... Whatever I need to do to stay fit, whatever I need to do to stay trained and, and ready to go, that I would do those things, that I would stay trained, that I would stay ready, that I would stay fit for deployment. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 